This is Food Institute CEO Brian Choi, and welcome back to the Food Institute podcast. This week, we welcome Hormel Foods International President Sven Neufeld, and we'll be discussing everything from legacy CPG brands like Skippy and Planters to emerging plant-based lines, and yes, even Spam. But before we get started, I'd like to remind our audience about our upcoming Protein and Plant Evolution virtual conference, which will be held June 1st through 3rd. The Protein and Plant Evolution will help empower and prepare stakeholders of the food industry to capitalize on the growing animal, lab-grown, and plant-based protein trends while introducing them to new technologies and emerging brands that will shape the future of our food supply. While the event is free, attendance will be capped, so make sure you visit ProteinPlantEvolution.com today to register. With that said, we welcome Sven to the show. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Really appreciate your, uh, your inviting us to participate. Excellent. All right. So Sven, maybe we can start off the conversation with your background. You've been a longtime corporate executive at Hormel, serving in different capacities from sales, product development, and marketing. You've also had the opportunities to work in various locations globally from Europe to Asia and the U.S. Um, please share with our audience some more details of the various roles you've had at Hormel and how you ended up in your current role within Hormel as president of Hormel Foods International. The irony is uh, when I joined Hormel, I joined because at the time we were expanding internationally aggressively. And it's always something that I had a passion for. We had just started two joint ventures in China. We had a joint venture in Mexico. You know, we we're It was a big focus for the organization and that really drew me to Hormel in combination with the iconic brands that the company has and had spent uh, my youth working in food and beverage. And then I started off in sales and grocery products in Birmingham, Alabama, and then just, you know, moved through a variety of roles in sales, analytics, marketing. Um, and this is actually my my fourth time in the international division. So I'm, I'm the bad penny that keeps coming back. But uh, <laughs> no, just had a lot of great opportunities, worked on some of our domestic brands, Spam. Uh, I've touched that brand for many, many years. Uh, then we moved to the United Kingdom and I was a uh, Started in a marketing role there and as general manager, uh, managing our relationship with Danish Crown, and then moved back um, in another marketing role domestically, uh, and then moved to China in a strategy role, and then evolved to a general manager of our business in China, and then Asia, came back again to the United States to run our, um, our meat products group, which would be refrigerated retail, and then had the opportunity to come back to international again, as the president of the division. So it's just been a, a great journey with a great company. Great. I, I do see on your LinkedIn profile that you've been with the, the company 25 plus years. And, you know, it, it looks like this was the first uh, job that you had uh, outside of college. Is that is that correct? Or um, just want to, it's pretty amazing to see uh, that continuity in your in your career path. That is true. I started with Hormel Foods after graduation. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a fantastic run and it's just a great company. It's an uncommon company that offers such a incredible diversity of experiences that I've certainly been challenged and continue to grow. Great. Excellent. Um, well, I want to con congratulate you on a successful quarter, um, that you reported on March 1st. It's amazing to see the resilience of the company, uh, five consecutive, uh, record sales and and also double digit um, uh, operating income growth. What do you attribute uh, Hormel's success to in the midst of some of the most challenging times that we faced? Um, you know, over the past twenty four months, it has been an incredibly challenging time. And and let's just start 
with our plant professionals. I mean, the resilience that that group of people has showed throughout this pandemic has been amazing. And our entire supply chain group um, and those plant professionals, they're, you know, just a, a bedrock that has really allowed us to continue to flourish. So we can't give them enough credit. You know, I think it's the resilience of our brands uh, and our balanced model. We have brands that resonate with consumers and have gone from strength to strength throughout the pandemic. And we have this balanced model that really allows us um, to cater to consumers at home, away from home. And I think it's really a testament to that. Um, and then great industry partnerships. You know, we've been there, and the, especially that food service space, you know, working closely with those food service operators. Um, it's just a testament to, to the organization overall. Excellent. And how would you characterize Hormel's strategy, you know, compared to some of the other leading CPG companies out there? Like what's, what's different about the, the approach that you take or the strategy that you take that might, you know, you might be able to differentiate between your major competitors? Sure. I'd say that we are an uncommon company in the, you know, and I will go back again to that, to that balanced model. We're 25% uh, non-animal protein at this point between our, um, you know, when you look at our business, very few other companies have the kind of iconic powerhouse brands that we do. Uh, you know, some of the legacy brands that we have, like a Spam, which is always near and dear to everyone's heart. <laughs> but then when you think about um, a Skippy, when you think about and Erdes and La Victoria and some of our Mexican food brands, uh, planters, just having added, you know, the biggest, right. most, you know, the biggest acquisition in the history of the organization. We've just got a great portfolio of brands and a really balanced model that allows us to keep compete and be successful in very challenging circumstances. Right. Well, that's great. Um, I know that most of your experience has been on the international side. Um, and so I'd like to ask you, what trends um, are you seeing over the next few years that might enable the company to continue on its successful growth trajectory? Consumers, we've been existing in this new reality, in a COVID reality, for two years now. And I think that consumers have created new habits. And what we've got to be focused on is making sure that we're, we're listening to the consumer, we're seeing where they're going, and, and we're meeting them there. We're meeting them there with our brands. We're meeting them there with our innovation. We're meeting them there through our operator partners. It, it really is about listening to the consumer. And the experience of COVID has been really quite different as you look at different countries around the world. You know, our business in China they were the first to experience COVID of anyone right? and did an incredible job in, in pivoting as we looked at how they operated in retail, how they bounced back and really refocused. Right. And I imagine that, you know, Hormel being a, a company that produces shelf-stable products, you know, that, that helps with, you know, being able to adapt, you know, to situations where supply chains might, you know, be disrupted um, internationally. So I think, you know, um, that 
in conjunction with the fact that you guys are have been on the ground at international companies for international countries for for many years really gives you an upper hand in being able to understand what the consumer trends might be evolving. Is that correct? We've been in China for for as long as I've been with the organizations, and we have just right. an amazing team on the ground there um, that really understands the Chinese consumer, really understands the challenges in the market, and that has been so pivotal. Uh, to our success in in China, and you know, can't say enough positive things about that group. Um, you know, consumers are are spending more time in the kitchen, and they're cooking more. And when you look at the portfolio of products that we have, to your point, shelf stable but also refrigerated. You know, in China, we are a leading brand of Western, you know, refrigerated meats and Chinese style. You know, we're meeting them at home. We've just launched the most successful new product introduction we've had in China, which is a Hormel beef jerky. So mm -hmm. making sure that we're catering to the consumer at home, away from home, really finding a, a balance of, of making sure that we're available when the consumer needs us. It's a, this jerky is a beautiful product. It's really blending Chinese flavor and texture with Western quality and the Hormel brand. And it's been a fantastic success. That's great. I lived in China for two years, Sven, uh, in Beijing and Shanghai. So I definitely understand the the cultural differences. But it's interesting how you incorporate the local flavors in um, in um, uh, like you said a Western Western product. So that's great. My next question, Sven, is um, is that you know one of my major observations about Hormel is the consistency and focus on its core line of businesses, you know, meat products and nut products. You know that focus, by and large, has not changed even with re recent acquisitions, whether it's Applegate Farms, Justin's, Planters. You know, at the Food Institute, we've observed many other competitors that go outside of their core or in a big way, right? So we're not talking twenty five percent; we're talking about fifty or fifty plus. Um, some with great success and others with less than seller success. How does Hormel Management think about the company's evolution as a food brand? If you can share a little bit about that, that would be great. We call ourselves a global branded food company. And that already in and of itself, I think, really differentiates us. We're not a meat company. We're a food company. We're branded. So we're really focused on our brands. That could be in the retail space or even in the operator space in food service. And then we really are building out our global footprint. We've articulated as an organization our, our key six priorities, um, which is expanding our leadership in food service, protecting and growing those core brands, those bedrocks, the Spam, the Skippies, the Dinty Moore, the Hormel, aggressively growing internationally. That's certainly, and that's that's my focus and where we're really driving and you know, amplifying snacking. Uh, mm -hmm. Planters really is a fantastic platform. We've we've existed in snacking in various ways. If you think about gatherings, if you think about snacking, and really building and solidifying a strategy around that, our ethnic portfolio, and then continuing to transform our company from a technology and a system standpoint, and making sure that we're as relevant as we can be. Those are really the the six key things that we are focused on here, um, and that put us in a position to be very successful and differentiate ourselves from the competition. That's great. Um, 
And how has management thinking about the increased uh, consumer preferences towards plant-based or perceived um, health benefits of, you know, healthier types of products? Can you share, you know, Hormel traditionally was was a meat processor and, you know, focused on meat. And and I do see there's some new brands coming out um, that are more geared towards plant-based. But how how is Hormel thinking about the, the plant-based division um, and just the thinking around growing that relative to the overall uh, company portfolio? We're, we're all about giving consumers options, right? It goes back to meeting <laughs> right. the consumer where they are. Now, again, 25% of our portfolio is plant-based. When you think about nut butters, you think about brands like Skippy, Justin's, Planters. Um, and then we have launched Happy Little Plants, uh, which is a you know, plant-based um, meat alternatives and seeing really great traction and success there and really focusing more on the value-added uh, portfolio there. And then when you think about our, our Mexican portfolio, you know, that is primarily non-meat-based. We're in salsas. We're uh, one of the leading um, you know, users of avocado through our holy guacamole. Um, so big presence there. Mexican sauces again. So we really have an unbelievable diversity in our portfolio. And it's so much more than meat, but we're certainly we're there to give consumers the options that they're looking for. And we're going to meet them where they want us to, to be. Great. I want to drill down a little bit more on the happy little plants, you know, and which was unveiled back in 2019. Um, it's interesting that the focus for that division was towards food service and in particular, pizza toppings, um, pepperoni, sausage, chorizo. What was the strategy surrounding this new brand and why was pizza toppings the main focus for, uh, for this brand? We have just a fantastic presence and leadership in pizza toppings. When you think about food service as well as Hormel being the number one pepperoni in the United States, we're about celebrating plant-based and not trying to recreate something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Happy Little Plants is about being unabashedly proud of, of being plant-based. We've always been focused on how do you value add? When we look and you, know, you think about our, our bacon complex, you know, it doesn't start with the belly. It moves to, you know, called one pound of your standard center of the plate bacon. But then how do we make more artisanal bacons? How do we make a fully cooked bacon, a microwave-ready bacon, all the way to bacon one, which is a proprietary process that we have? And we approach the plant-based the same way. It's mm -hmm. how do we push into a value-added space? And how do we create solutions for our operators? And you know, again, that, that, just that incredibly strong presence that we have in food service pizza toppings just made it a very natural place to to drive our plant offering. And we've had customers asking for it. Even when I think about um, some of our global customers in the QSR space in Asia Pacific, it's an area that they're asking us about. And we want to make sure that we're that partner to deliver the solution to them. Right. Um, can you share a little bit about the R&D process for 
the you know happy little plants and you know the time it took to develop the the formulation for like you know for example the pepperoni can you share a little bit about that process and you know and when it was ready like what the initial responses and the follow-on are are there continued repeat uh purchases which i imagine yes but anything that you could share would, would be really helpful it, it is a highly proprietary process um yeah, actually, it was one of our first forays into, you know, an agile development process, and the the speed with which we were able to develop our first iteration of Happy Little Plants Pepperoni was really remarkable. Um, it is highly proprietary. There is a tremendous amount of, you know, intellectual capital that went into producing, frankly, just a, a best in class plant based pepperoni. That the consumer gets the benefit of the plant based, but they get the beautiful, delicious, you know, craveable pepperoni right. experience that they want. Right, that's excellent. You know, because um, I w- I recently was at the um, uh, the plant based expo at the Javits Center here in New York City, and you know they had a many many different products, plant based products out there. What I found is that many products, plant based products, they missed the the mark on taste. Right. So they covered it with sauces and things like that. But as a standalone, it really kind of missed the mark. And so it seems like, you know, Hormel strategies to make sure that the taste you, you, you cannot tell the difference between a plant based or um, the real, you know, the real meat alternative. Is that is that the um, the thinking? We're pepperoni experts. And <laughs> if we're going to bring a product, you know that when that when that pepperoni pizza comes out, Right, you have to take that first piece of pepperoni and you pull it off, right, and yes. it goes right into your mouth. That's yes. the experience that we need to deliver, and right. that was our focus. How do we make sure that you still want to pull that first piece of pepperoni right off the pizza when it comes out and it's hot? Right. That's that's the experience, and that's the you know what we're designing, and that's what we strive for. And I think when you look at happy little plants, when you look at our Burke crumbles, when you look at the chorizo, when you look at these products, they have to be at least as good as the meat-based product. Right. 100% agree. So that's, uh, that's fascinating. Uh, Just shifting gears a little bit. um, I want to talk about spam. You know, spam is one of my favorite products, you know, as a Korean, and you probably know this, Sven, you know, Koreans are the, they eat spam like no other race <laughs> out there. Uh, we put it on everything. So um, recently we did a video highlighting the, the product's tremendous, tremendous success, you know, over many generations. Um, we've heard different takes from outsiders, including equity research analysts, former employees, and even diehard fans. Uh, we mentioned the the Spam Jam Festival, which happens in, in, in Hawaii every year. What would you say are some of the key success factors for Spam? And what are the lessons learned that may be applicable to other products within Hormel's portfolio? Well, in Korea, it's Buddha Chige. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comfortably one of my favorite ways to eat spam, you know, closely followed by musubi. Oh, there you go. Yep. Look, spam, the, the success of spam is when it's integrated into the culture. When you think of spam in Korea, you don't think of spam, you think it's Korean, right? I mean, you're in your bibibap and your buddha chige and all the different iterations, right? 
it's a Korean product. And if you go to Hawaii, you know, Hawaiians will tell you this is a Hawaiian product. And if you go to, you know, Okinawa, it's, it's a Japanese product. And you know, we've had fantastic success. One of our, a really great success story very recently here is uh, with Family Mart in Japan. They have the number one, it's a spam branded musubi that they're selling in all of the 16,000 uh, Family Mart stores in mainland Japan. Fantastic success story. It's versatile and it's just adopted into the local culture. And then we've had some great examples of really where it's even, we, we launched a Tocino Spam that was developed in the Philippines by Filipinos. Wow. So it's just taking, you know, it's, it's an incredible product because it was a, originally an export from the U.S., but it's been absorbed into the local culture and then made local. And now some of those products are actually even finding their way back into the United States. So we sell Tocino Spam in the U.S. and Japan and China. We've developed uh, uh, local varieties, a bashu pepper. We have a cumin-flavored Spam that just evokes that smell of, you know, outdoor barbecue. We have a pure and simple spam with all natural ingredients. So in every place that we've taken this brand, it's about, again, understanding the consumer and then just integrating the brand into the local culture. Right. And I can imagine that that takes years, if not decades, to be able to get it to that point where, where you know, international countries think of it as their own product right so um yeah, that was one of my takeaways as as i was i was uh, as we were doing the the video piece it's just you know hormel's long game in in being able to to be local manufacture the products products there do the cons you know consumer research and then allow for uh local flavors to be incorporated in in the product so um and i think i think that's great um I want to uh, shift the you know last last two uh, questions is um, you know obviously inflation, employment issues, supply chain problems. Everyone's talking about it. Uh, it's top of mind for for many food and beverage companies. Um, how is Hormel thinking about managing these risks? Because it seems like this is not a isolated. These are isolated issues. It seems like this is. You know, we're in a situation where, you know, we're in it for the long haul, you know, um, however long you might define it. So can you share a little bit about how you're thinking about uh, about risk management these days at the corporate management level? It's a great question. It's been a few years now that we actually stood up our one supply chain organization. And that that has been transformational in the way that we've been able to manage our way through these you know, challenging times. This team just does an amazing job. Um, again, it goes it goes back to that that supply chain organization that's committed to um, to driving cost out of the system to fight inflation. Uh, our plant professionals, again, to make sure that we're producing the product. Our logistics teams to make sure we're getting our products to our fans. I, I just can't say enough good things about how one supply chain. And having stood that organization up, what a critical difference that's played in our ability to, to manage our way through these times. And then again, the, the relevance of the brands, and certainly, I mean, everyone in this space has had to take pricing, but the, the, the brands really have 
been able to deliver even when we have been taking pricing. They're they're relevant and we're always focused on making sure that we're we're driving brand health to make sure we have that as well. That's great. Uh, my last question, Sven, is um, uh, just an open-ended question for you. Um, what are you most excited about as you uh, look out, you know, three, five, maybe even 10 years um, about Hormel and, you know, whether it's a product, consumer trend, management strategy, please share what you're uh, most excited about. The growth of our international business, the opportunities that we <laughs> right. have. We have, we have a great team and business in China. They have a very clear vision of growing. They've recently stood up a really integral snacking pillar to get the consumer from, away from home. We have a great retail business for at home, an incredible food service business for away from home, not only in meat, but also in, in peanut butter. We have a great business in Brazil. We're excited about that market. We have a wonderful team there with Sarachi. We see lots of opportunity to, again, we created this balanced model in China, food at home, food away from home, plant-based, meat-based, very diversified portfolio. We see the same opportunity to do that in Brazil. And that team is, is really committed to standing up a, a food service organization now, uh, they're in the process of that and continuing to expand our, our retail footprint. And Indonesia, we have a joint venture in Indonesia with an incredible partner there, Garuda Foods, focused on snacking using the Skippy brand and leveraging their local consumer insight, leveraging their distribution platform, their sales platform, and then combining it with our ability to innovate and our iconic Skippy brand. We're, we're excited about Indonesia. It's one of the largest consumer markets in the world, one of the fastest growing. And we think that our portfolio is incredibly relevant there. So just see tremendous opportunity for us to grow our, our multinational business, continue to grow exports, um, be that from the United States, be it from our operations in China, be it from Brazil. And we're we're relatively immature in the in the international space and it's just an incredible opportunity for us to continue to grow on these really strong platforms that we've built already so that will do it for us this week on the food institute podcast i want to thank sven again for his time today and please remember to visit proteinplantevolution.com to register for our upcoming event until next time this is brian Choi signing off mm -hmm.